Amen. I think God's really excited about the day. He woke me up nine hours ago and said, it's Sunday, get ready. So, yeah, baby. Hey, uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was teaching on a hillside by the Sea of Galilee. And he spoke these words to them and to us, to a crowd, much like the one gathered in this room today. He looked at them and said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if salt has lost its flavor? Can it be made salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He continued, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. And instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You maybe saw on the screen, I had the question, why are you here? Why are you in this room this morning? And now I have a hunch that, that some of you are here this morning because you think that you can make a difference, because you think that, that you have a cause worth fighting for, that you have a story worth telling, and you're here because you believe that this body of people can change anything. You're here because you believe that one church can influence the future. You're here because you believe that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are called and set apart to deliver a life-changing message. Question, who is here this morning? Let me finish the question. Because I'm here, right? So I'm here. Who is here this morning because they want to be the church, they want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this dark and broken world? If so, give a shout. Because we want to be the church. And speaking of being the church, a mini commercial, uh, that's what we've been trying to do at Maple Grove for several months. Back in November, a leadership team met with Gary Johnson, and we came up with our vision statement, our mission statement and our core values as a church. And and a few weeks back, Gary came back, and we leadership met again, and we had our three-year strategic planning session. And I I want you to know, it it was an amazing time. You could feel God's spirit in the room. And and, uh, right now, we have three teams that are meeting every other week, all right? We have an E team, a D team, and a C team, and, and they all revolve around our mission, right? Our mission, like Jesus, we Seek the lost. That would be our E team, right? Like Jesus, we make disciples our D team. And like Jesus, we show compassion. And what these teams are doing, they're meeting every other week to say, how do we flesh this out? And on October the 5th, the first uh, Sunday in the fourth quarter, we will unveil what our three-year plan is. And God's going to move in great ways and say, here's where God is going to take us. And here's where we'll be at the end of the fourth quarter, 2017. So keep praying for the E team, the C team, and the D team. Now back to our regularly scheduled sermon. A few weeks back, we began a message series on 1 Peter, a a letter full of 2,000-year-old God-breathed words from Peter, and the series is called Living Hope, a Sure Anchor in Troubled Times. And in this letter, Peter, you know, the Galilean fisherman who hung out with God for three years when God wore flesh and walked this planet. In this letter, Jesus tells a, 
a bunch of Jesus followers who are finding it hard to hang on to their hope in the midst of some very difficult and challenging times, Peter tells them, he says, hey, here's how you have a living hope. He says, here's how you can live with great expectations. He says, here's how you can be the church. Here's how you can live like God's people in a world that's not your home. You see, in a very real way, First Peter is like it's a, it's a life manual of how you and I can live the new life while we're still walking in the same old world. And this morning, we're going to tackle 16 verses, believe it or not. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through uh, chapter 2, verse 3, in a conversation that I am calling Swimming Upstream. And we're going to read the text together, and the way we're going to do it is we're going to stand in just a minute as a sign of respect for God's word to make sure everybody's awake. And uh, um, the first screen I'm going to read, you read the second, then me, then you, then me, then you, okay? Would you stand with me? This is God's word. It's living active. Sweet. (laughs) Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Tricky. Let's start. Do that one again. We'll get a do over. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Hey, you're stealing mine. <laughs> it's my turn. But the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is a word that was preached to you. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. May God bless the reading of his word. And uh, I want you guys to pray with me. And we pray open palms, symbolic, if we're ready to receive from God this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. and We humbly come into your presence. No one like you. No one compares to you. No one loves us the way that you love us. You're holy and righteous and mighty and merciful. 
And God, I pray this morning you enable me to speak your words the exact way you want me to speak it. Father, help me not to get in the way. Father, help me not just to be a speaker, but to be a hearer and to take your words into my heart as well. And God, I pray that what happens here in this place, God, as we we talk about swimming upstream, God, will change us. God, we believe in the power of your word. And Spirit, we ask you to blow fresh in this place. We believe you for great things because you are living and you're active and you're real. And we have great expectations of what can happen in this room and our lives because, not because of who we are, but our confidence and our hope is in you and in your living, enduring word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As always, you can be seated or stand up if you want the entire time. No one ever wants to do that. And now, now, anyone who's ever spent any time in Scripture will see rather quickly that God has always called his people to swim upstream, to, to be different, to be set apart from the world. In Genesis 6 through 9, God calls a man named Noah to build an ark to save his family from a worldwide flood. Why Noah? Because Noah was different than the evil world that surrounded him. In 2000 B.C., God called Abraham to, to leave his homeland, to, to leave his gods and become the father of a, of a new nation, a, a nation of people belonging to God. And everything about this nation was to be upstream in regard to the world, their diet, their dress, their worship, and their lifestyle. And check out what Moses said to God's people, that they're about to enter the promised land. Right? The year is about 1400 BC, and the promise was made to Abraham in about the year 2000 BC. 600 years they've been waiting. They're about to go in. And, and Moses says this to them in Deuteronomy 18, verse 9 When you enter the land your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. In other words, we, I do not want you to be like they are. Paul said, the exact same thing to us as God's people in the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. I understand it. As God's people, we're called to be different, to be set apart, to go against the grain, to, to swim upstream, to be to be light in a world of darkness, to be salt in a world that is decaying. Bottom line, we are called to be holy. The word holy is used over 500 times in the, in the Bible, and it has the idea of separation. And, and talking about holiness, a, a guy named Peter Oberst writes in his commentary about holiness, he says this, we as his children are to be dedicated to him, reserved for him and his service, and separated from the world for a holy purpose, set aside exclusively for God's use. We as his children are to be dedicated to him, a reserve for him and his service, and separated from the world for a holy purpose, set aside exclusively for God's use. And I think the, you know, the word holy has taken a bum rap over the years. And understand, the word holy, it's not some super religious term about going to church, about dressing a certain way on Sunday and thinking a few spiritual things every now and then. Instead, being holy, it's about swimming upstream. It's about being different than the world. It's about being salt and light. It's, it's, about, it's about living lives that attract the attention of the world 
living lives that bring healing to the world, and it's about living lives that reflect the character of Christ and draw people to the living hope that can only be found in him. It's about living lives that attract the attention of the world, we're his light. It's about living lives that bring healing to the world. We're salt. And it's about, it's about living lives that reflect the character of Jesus and draw people of this world to the living hope that is only found in him. It's about living a counterculture revolutionary life, much like the one Jesus lived when he wore flesh. I mean, he was a guy that taught such Radical swimming upstream things like the way up is down, the way in is out, the way first is last, the way of success is service, the way of attainment is relinquishment, the way of strength is weakness, the way of protection is forgiveness, the way of life is death, death to self. Uh, he taught us, know your strengths. Why? So that you can lay them down. He taught us that God's power is made perfect not in our strength but in our weakness. He taught us that if you want to get the most out of life, go to where the least are. He, he taught us that if we want to be free, give complete control to God. You want to be great, become the least. You want honor, think of others more than you think of yourself. You want to really get even with your enemies, love them and bless them and pray for them. Uh, again, swimming upstream is about you and I living lives that attract the attention of the world, bring healing into the world, and that reflect the character of Jesus and draw the people of the world to the living hope that is only found in him. Get it? Good. Now, now the way I, I want to approach our discussion today is by answering two really simple questions. Uh, number one is, in regards to swimming upstream, why should we do it? Number two, how do we do it? And, and I got to let you know that, you know, there's a lot of ground to cover. And, and, and I'm like breaking every rule that you're supposed to be and giving a message. Like this ain't no like three-point thing. It's like a bunch of stuff. It's going to come at a rapid fire, all right? Uh, but I know you guys can handle it, all right? And blame Peter because he just packed so much in here. All right. Swimming upstream, why should we do it? And understand why is very important to us, right? I mean, it, uh, we've been asking the question why ever since we began to speak, right? I ask a question, you, I'll just say something, you say why, right? You can't have ice cream for dinner. Don't stick your fork in the light socket. Why? Don't ride your bike in the street. Why? Wash your hands before you eat. Why? Don't throw your little brother down the stairs. Why? Don't pee in the neighbor's front yard. Why? Pee in the backyard. No. <laughs> no one can see you. You need to go to bed. Why? You can't date till you're 16. Why? Put, the toilet, put the toilet seat down when you're done, guys. Why? I still don't do it. <laughs> Swim upstream, be different than the world. Why? Well, Peter tells us why, and he begins, first of all, because of the therefore. You notice that Peter, he starts off uh, this text, our text, with the word therefore, and whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore, right? And, and, and what Peter is saying, hey, in light of what I just told you, in light of what I just talked about, in Maple Grove, in light of what we've been studying, in light of God's great mercy, in light of the fact that God the Father chose you, God the Son died for you, God the Spirit lives in you, 
In light of the fact that, that you have an inheritance in heaven that can never spoil, perish, or fade away, in light of the fact that God's power, the power of the star-breathing God is protecting you, in light of the fact that your troubles are designed to strengthen your faith, in light of the fact that you are receiving the salvation of your souls, therefore, he says, you should swim upstream. You should be different than the world. And if you ask me, those are some pretty positive motivations. And if we keep those things before us, we're already in the water. And next Peter says, if we want to swim upstream, how do we do it? Why should we do it, rather? Because we are to be obedient children. He writes, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. I understand. God is the father. We are the children. You got this parent-child thing. And, and, and though it may sound strange to some, children and obedience are intended to go together. <laughs> For real. I mean, children obeying their moms and dads even made into God's top ten. Bottom line, we are to be obedient children who obey our Father out of respect, out of reverent fear, and out of love. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll go to church on Sunday, right? Uh, you'll listen to Christian music. Eh, well, you can, but he says, if you love me, you'll what? You'll obey me. And Jesus commanded us to swim upstream. Uh, why should we swim upstream? Because we are no longer living in ignorance. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. I understand that there was a time when we didn't know any better. Uh, there was a time when we didn't really understand what God's way was. There was a time when uh, what we did was controlled by our own desires and by what we wanted to do. A, a time when going with the flow, when swimming downstream was all that we knew. But Peter says, that time has now passed. He says, you're no longer living in ignorance. You know what God wants. He wants you to swim upstream. He wants you to be different than the world. Why? So that you will attack, you will attract the attention of the world. You'll bring healing to the world. And you'll live lives that reflect Jesus and draw people to the living hope that is only found in him. Fourth reason, he says, is because of who God is. He says, for it is written, be holy because what? I'm holy. Question, whose image are we made in? God's, right? Uh, uh, whose character are we to reflect? God's. And Peter says God is holy, that he's perfect and pure and separate from and above all else, and he wants us to live the same way. A fifth reason why we should swim upstream is because the old way of life was what? It was a dead end. Did you notice the word Peter used to describe, very accurate word for describing the old way of life? You're redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. And, and you know, if, if I'm honest, I have to admit that the old way of life, when I was living for myself, when I was living for my desires, that it really wasn't such a good way to live. I mean, it looked so promising when I got on the on-ramp, you know, but the further I drove on that thing, the less appealing it became. And when I got to the end, you know what? I was still empty. It promised everything but left me empty. Fellow Jesus followers, do you remember what it was like living that way? Do you remember the difficulties, the pain, the heartache, and the consequences of living the old way? 
what, what the, living the old way brought you? Do you remember where that road led? Do you, do, you remember, do you remember how it took you places you didn't really want to go and it kept you longer than you wanted to stay? Do you remember? Understand the evil one wants you to forget that the old way was simply a dead end. Six Peter says we should choose to swim upstream to be different than the world because Jesus gave his life for us to be different. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Maple Grove, the perfect one, the sinless one, the holy one, the great and mighty one, shed his blood 2,000 years ago on a bloodstained cross so that I could be different so that I would be holy, so that I would be separate, so that I would be different than the world. Listen, Jesus, the ultimate upstream swimmer, did not die on the cross so that I, Steve Malone, would stay the same. Next, we should swim upstream because we need to grow up. Tell the person, tell the person sitting next to you, grow up. I'm just kidding. That would be fun, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> grow up. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk <clears throat> so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now, I understand, growing up is all about being different. And we can easily see this with physical growth, right? I mean, as people grow, they're different. That's a good thing, right? I mean, how many would like to go to their senior prom weighing 8 pounds, 6 ounces, and being 21 inches tall, Right? <laughs> Hard to find a tux, right? It really is, okay? Or a dress to fit that size, and then when you're in a limo, someone kicks you, and where did my date go? I think he's under the seat in the Chick-fil-A cup or something, right? You know, when people grow, they change, and they're different. And we need to swim upstream because we need to grow up. And lastly, because we've tasted the better way. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. I was trying to find a photo this morning, I'm terrible with photos. We got a big box of photos everywhere of a picture when I was, a, uh, when my first daughter, Chelsea, was about almost two. And we've been giving her that nasty baby food for a long time. And I'm in the dining room in Yorktown, Virginia, and I'm giving her her first taste of pizza. And she's got this look on her face oh, no, you did it. I've been eating this nasty stuff. You've been holding out on me. I ain't touching that nasty green pea stuff ever again. Because she said, I tasted it and it was good. And you know what? Every one of us that follows Jesus, even if we mess up and have messed up, we still have tasted what it's like to be different. And we tasted what it's like to live God's way. We've tasted what it's like to swim upstream. And you know what? It tasted good. It tasted good, didn't it? If you're like me, you're like, okay, Pete, I'm convinced. All right, we don't need 20 more points, Pete. But, but how do I make this a reality in my life? Pete goes, I'm glad you asked. He says, first, if you, if you want to make it a reality, if you and I want to be able to live lives that attract the attention of the world, bring healing into the world, and, and reflect the character of Jesus such that people in the world are drawn to the living hope that's only found in him, first thing we need to do, we have to prepare our minds. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Literally, it's gird up the loins of your mind. Like, what the heck is he talking about? Well, it's not easy to run in dresses, I hear, right? 
you know, and they kind of wore clothes like dresses. If you're going to run, you're going to gird up your loins, tie it around so you can start running, all right? Okay? So you got to prepare your mind for action and understand our mind is absolutely essential in swimming upstream and living different than the world. In fact, if our mind is unprepared, the current of this world will pull you down and will drag you under, all right? And I want to give you three reasons why preparing your mind is important. Number one, because you are what you think. Psychologist Archibald Hart writes, research has shown that one's thought life influences every aspect of one's being. One's thought life influences every aspect of one's being. Listen, whether you and I are filled with confidence or fear, trust or anxiety, peace or anger, hope or despair, love or hate, depends on the kind of thoughts that occupy our minds on a regular basis. So what you've been thinking? Understand, everything about our lives flow out of the way that we think. And the way we like to summarize that at the Grove is that the way we think determines the way that we feel, and the way we feel determines how we act. Think, feel, and act. Hey, check out these words from a guy who was experiencing some really challenging times and was struggling with his thought life. His name was Job. He said this, when I think about this, I'm terrified. Trembling seizes my body. Has that ever happened to you? Have your thoughts ever taken you to a place you'd rather not be? I mean, if you start thinking angry thoughts and you keep feeding those angry thoughts, pretty soon you are in a rage. If you start thinking depressing thoughts, nobody cares. I'm all alone. It'll never get any better. I can't do anything. I'm no good to anyone. Before you know it, you're on antidepressants or you're ready to slice your wrist or somebody else's. You're, you are what you think. The second reason for preparing your mind is so important is because you think about what you're most exposed to. Your thought life, Solomon says, your life, rather, is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Some people call this the law of exposure. Now, understand, what repeatedly enters your mind will occupy your mind, and what occupies your mind will eventually shape your mind, and what shapes your mind will ultimately express itself in what you do and who you become. And listen, the law of exposure is as unyielding as the law of gravity, right? Now, we get gravity, right? I mean, no one's surprised that when I do this, wow, why did that happen? Oh, gravity, right? I mean, when you push a plate off and you drop something in your hand and it falls, why did it fall? But when it comes to the law of exposure, we're just in total shock. That what we dwell on, what we expose ourselves to, we're shocked. Why is that happening? Why do I feel this way? Why am I doing what I'm doing? I mean, do you think that the constant exposure to sexual images and sexual activity that's bombarding our culture has anything to do? I mean, do you think that constant exposure has anything to do with the rise of sex outside the marriage, children out of wedlock? Do you think it has anything to do with increasing sexual addiction and promiscuity? you think it has anything to do with it, that exposure? And do you think the constant exposure that, that our young ladies um, are exposed to of, of models and movie stars who are paid outrageous sums of money to look unnaturally thin, 
And then we interview them as experts on what makes life worth living. Do you think this exposure has anything to do with why so many young ladies feel, you know what, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not desirable enough. The law of exposure, what we expose ourselves to, shapes our minds. A third reason why preparing our minds is so important is because your thoughts can defile you. I mean, the thoughts really matter. It's just, just Steve doing that preacher thing, making much to do about nothing. Listen, because we are what we think, and we think about what we're most exposed to, Satan wants to control your thoughts. Why? Because if he can control your thoughts, he will defile you. Jesus said it just, just this way. It is the thought life that defiles you from within, out of a person's heart. Come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, eagerness for lustful pleasure, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They're what defile you and make you unacceptable to God. That's why Paul said, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. We have to prepare our minds for action if we want to swim upstream. How do we swim upstream? Next, by developing self-control. Peter says, be self-controlled. And let me tell you, be self-controlled would really be different than this world, right? Because our world's philosophy is not self-control. It's no control, right? If it feels good, do it. If it tastes good, eat it. If it looks good, buy it. If it requires too much effort, stay in bed. And now now Paul was so serious about self-control that he says, no, here's my philosophy of life. He said this in 1 Corinthians. He said this. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to do. By developing self-control, we can swim upstream. The good news is self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's not fruits of the Spirit, you know. Fruit of the Spirit is not the bocce grill, right? You just can't be, you can't be just downing all the peel and eat shrimp like I do, right? You gotta, it's all of the fruit of the Spirit, right? And one of them is self-control. A third way we can swim upstream is by setting our hope on the future, fully on our future. Look what he says. Set your hope fully in the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your hope where on your future? Question, why do athletes train for the Olympics like every day, eight hours a day for four years? Why do women go through nine months of discomfort and hours of labor pains. Listen, most, if not all, do not do it for the sheer pleasure of labor pains, right? Or for the sheer pleasure of eight hours of training every day. Why do they do it? Because they know what's coming. Olympic athlete knows at the end could be that gold medal. That lady knows that, you know what, yeah, after all the pain, I'm going to be holding in my arms this life that grew inside of me. How did Jesus keep swimming upstream even with the shadow of a blood-stained cross pressing down upon him? Hebrew writer says this, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, if I want to swim upstream, if I want to live a countercultural life, if I want to live God's way, especially in challenging times, If I want my life to reflect the character of Christ such that it draws people to the living hope that's only found in him, I have to set my hope fully in the future, knowing what's coming. 
knowing that, you know, 14.79 trillion years from now, I'm still rocking it out in heaven, and it's getting better and better every day. How do we swim upstream, live different than the world? By making God our standard. Be holy because I'm holy. You see, if you're like me, I think one of the reasons that can keep me from swimming upstream is I forget what my standard is. I can think, well, hey, I'm doing better than they are. I'm not as messed up as she is. I mean, she's really messed up. But guess what? That's, my standard is not the person to my right or to my left. My standard is, is God. I'm going to be holy because God is holy. I'm going to swim upstream because God swims upstream, and I'm made in his image. Paul said in Ephesians 5.1, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. 2,000 years ago, Peter, with a pen and paper in his hand, guided by the Spirit of Christ, told a bunch of exiles on a mission for Christ in a world that was not their home, how they could swim upstream and be different than the world by preparing their minds, by developing self-control, by setting their hope fully on their future. It's going to be incredible by making God their standard, and next by remembering the cost. You know what's so cool about God? Everything I'm saying, I'm not making any of this up. It's like all right there in God's word. For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that God redeemed you from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. God played a huge price to redeem me so that I could swim upstream. And that payment wasn't gold, it wasn't silver, it was the blood of his son. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. But you know what? I need to try to take it in. I need to try to remember that cost. You know, I think Paul and the guys who swam with him most definitely remember the cost because these were some crazy swimmers, all right? I mean, when they swam, people said, that's a crazy swimmer right there. He says, if we're out of our minds, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right minds, it's for you. For what? Christ's love compels me. So you don't know why I'm swimming like this? Why I'm going against the grain? Why I'm going against the flow? It's because Christ's love. It's what he did for me. It's his unmerited favor, his grace, and his mercy. It compels me to swim upstream. How do we swim upstream? By not swimming alone. Now that you purified yourselves by obeying the truth, see that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. We need each other. We were not created to swim alone. Soldiers don't fight wars or war. Soldiers do not fight wars alone. Athletes do not win championships alone. I mean, think about it. In, in, in books, in stories, and in life, we see the truth that together is better. I understand Frodo doesn't even stand a chance against the evil powers that seek the ring without Sam, Mary, Pippin, Gandalf, Aragon, and the rest of the fellowship. And Dorothy will not make it very far down the yellow brick road without the scarecrow, the tin man, the lion, and that little dog. Tutu. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, I have a group of seven guys I meet with every Tuesday morning, you know. I need those guys. I need their encouragement. I need their accountability. I can't swim alone. I'll sink. How, how, 
how do we swim upstream? By craving the word. Hear what he says? Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Do you want to be different than the world? Then you got to crave this book. I mean, you got to want it. you got to crave it. Like, you, like I crave prime rib, medium rare with mushrooms, you know? You know? Like I crave lobster and shrimp and seafood, pasta, you know? you got to crave it, getting hungry. And, and why is this book so important in swimming upstream? All Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It helps me see, Steve, here are some of your downstream swimming ways. Corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Got to crave this book. That's why for, I don't know, three years we've been doing this thing, Faith Comes From Hearing, right? You know, where I put out a thing for us to read, a chapter every day, what we're reading in God's Word. So here's something you can read. We can read as a body. That's why we do Saturday Morning Live where we spend three hours. You know, we've done it three times. We're surveying the entire Bible because we have to know this book and crave it. It will change us. How do we swim upstream? Next, by getting rid of the junk. You know, something I noticed watching Olympics. I don't know if you noticed this or not, Summer Olympics. But swimmers... Do not wear backpacks. Do you ever notice that? I mean, they don't wear backpacks. You know, matter of fact, you know, they, they wear Speedos and they, you know, they'll do that like waxing thing and rip chest hair off, right? Because the chest hair can slow them down, right? They get rid of anything that could hinder them. They don't wear backpacks. And if you're honest, you'd have to admit, right? At least I do. And I just convinced myself that I'm a messed up pastor in a church full of messed up people, right, that, you know, there, there's, you got a backpack, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to swim upstream, you're carrying some junk, and it's just not working, right? We weren't meant to carry this stuff to go upstream. And Peter says this, rid yourself of all malice, wanting bad stuff to happen to people you don't like, and all deceit, that would be lying, hypocrisy, pretending you're something you're not, Get rid of all envy, you know, wanting what other people have, not appreciating what God has already given you, and slander of every kind. Even if it's in a prayer meeting, Lord, please pray for my brother. He's such an arrogant person. Help him to change, you know. Slander of every kind. Get rid of the junk. Take off your backpack, Steve. How do we swim upstream by continuing to taste the Lord? Always remembering how good and how sweet his way tastes. Maple Grove, keep tasting what it's like to live God's way. Keep tasting what it's like to be different than the world. Keep tasting what it's like to be loved and accepted by the creator of the universe. Keep tasting what it's like to say no to the things that the world says yes to. To keep tasting what it's like to give and sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Keep tasting what it's like to put others before yourself. Keep tasting what it's like to live solely for God's glory. Keep tasting what it's like to live from your salvation and not for your salvation. Maple Grove, God wants us to swim upstream. So that you and I can experience the fullness of life. Jesus came that we might have life 
in all its fullness. He wants us to swim upstream so that we can experience the fullness of life and that, so that we can live lives that draw other people to that very same fullness that is always found in him. What do you say we continue our journey to be the church? To be the light this dark world needs, to be the salt this dying decaying world needs. It's not easy to swim upstream. And, and, and uh, you know, last night we had the opportunity to have a great concert, and, and uh, Todd Brown talked about Central Indian, Christian, Central Indian Christian Mission where Haley Wood is raising funds for to raise up a church planner. And he told a story that ripped my heart out and had to stop ripping my heart out. Because, see, in central India, it's very hard to swim upstream and go against the culture. And he told this story about a 14-year-old girl. And her and her dad were captured by extremists. And the extremists had a machete to her dad and looked at the 14-year-old girl and said, if you don't deny Jesus, I'm going to kill your dad. And the dad says, don't do it. Don't do it. And she didn't. And right for her very eyes, they killed her dad. And then for the next several hours, 14 years old, really hard to swim upstream and be different in that world, in that culture. And for, the, the men took turns abusing her for hours, saying that if you deny Jesus, we'll stop abusing you. She refused. And then they took kerosene, 14-year-old girl. We got some 14 years over there. And they poured kerosene on her. And they lit a match and said, if you don't deny Jesus, we are going to light you on fire. She refused. And they did. And they walked out of the room. And, and somehow she survived. And Todd said when he met her, talked with her, tears and trembling, he was like, I mean, how did you do that? You know what she said? He said, I will never give up on Jesus. And I'm so blown away by that, and I'm so humbled by that. When I give up on Jesus so easily with my attitude and my actions, and I choose, I'm not going to swim upstream. I'm going to do what I want to do, Jesus. And this 40-year-old girl, I stand in all of her faith. And you know what? You know, she's going to see her dad. We serve a God who rescues us. And, and he wants you and I, he does, you know, to be different than this world. He'll give us the power to do it. He wants us to be the light in this dark world. He, he wants us to be salt and bring healing to, to this world. And he wants us to swim upstream. You know, we can't do it alone, but you know what? We can do it together. I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in our church and what he's going to do in the next several years. And we're going to sing a song here, you know. I rejoice in her faithfulness of that girl, and, and, and she has a great reward, right? And we should be inspired by her commitment to go against the culture, to swim upstream. And, and we're going to sing a song right here and celebrate the fact that we serve a God because she wasn't left by herself, Right? Uh, this, this girl was, was rescued, right? 
uh, by believers. And now she has a testimony that is changing lives because we serve a God that saves us and rescues us. Every time we call God, he answers. Every time we're dry, he fills us up. Every time we fall down, he picks us up. When we want a do-over, he gives us that do-over. And so we're going to stand and we're going to celebrate our God. And we're going to take on the challenge to swim upstream together to make a difference, to live lives that attract the attention of this world, to live lives that bring healing to this world, and to live lives that draw people to the fullness of life that is only found in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're not sure where you are with God, maybe you've never surrendered to him, and maybe you need to make the decision that Jen made earlier, you know, yeah. Yeah, Jen went to Discover Grove and said, well, you know, I, I need to be immersed into Christ. And there she was, you know. And she did it publicly as a testimony, you know, so other people could see it. And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to repent and say, you know what, I, I'm on a, I'm a dead-end street right now. It ain't leading me anywhere good. And God said, you know what, it's time to hang a Yui. And I'll meet you once you make that turn. So would you stand and pray with me as we get ready to worship God? Father God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. God, help us to be your people. God, thank you for loving us when we're unlovely, for filling us when we're dry, for hearing us when we cry out to you, for being a God who rescues and saves. And God, I pray that your love and your life and your grace and your mercy will shine out from us, Lord. And God, that will lift your name up and will live lives that reflect you in this world and that your spirit will help us be the people that you want us to be. God, for we called and you answered. And all we want to do, God, is be where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.